You are tuned in to Making a Difference with Melissa Billy Clark. This show shares compelling stories and experiences of well-known faces and everyday people who change the world in big and small ways. Get ready to open your mind and your heart with Melissa Billy Clark. Hi, thank you for joining us on Making a Difference. I'm your host, Melissa Billy Clark. We have a special guest, and by special, I mean a fellow Brooklynite, but amongst his native roots, this man has been in broadcasting for over two decades. You may fondly remember him on the IMUS in the morning show as their sports reporter. He is an author, an actor, a husband, a father, and has a talk show, Bernie and Sid in the Morning, which you can watch weekdays from 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. on 77 WA. ABC Radio. Sid Rosenberg, I'm so thrilled to have you on Making a Difference. Thank you so much, sir. I know that you're so busy. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, it's my pleasure. I, and I am busy. I get up at 3.30 a.m. local time every morning to make sure I can host that radio show most of the time with Bernie. He's been uh, sick uh, the last couple of months or so sometimes without him like today. Uh, so I'm up early in the morning, but uh, 6 to 10. But uh, I'm thrilled to do this today and I'm humbled you invited me. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Sid Rosenberg. I'm so excited to get to know you. How is Bernie feeling? Well, it depends on the week. You know, he's hmm. um, he's a very, very tough guy. I know that because back in 2003, I can't believe it's 19 years ago already, we held a charity fight on television, viewed all over the world, mind you, at Chelsea Piers. And uh, I missed that they raised a quarter of a million dollars for kids with cancer. And Bernie beat the living daylights out of me. I mean, he killed me. Now, look, I'm in much better shape now and he's older, but he's a very, very tough guy. And he shows up after his chemotherapy and radiation and does a great radio show. But he said, you know, he misses now about one week a month for the last six months. And um, I can tell some days he's weak. You can tell in his voice. And he's not a baby. So um, tough guy. If I had to bet on him to make it, I would bet he would make it. But I'm nervous, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah. 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 Cancer is uh, definitely uh, very tricky. And um, I'm sure he appreciates you holding the fort and being, you know, the voice of New York. Uh, so we're sending prayers out to Bernie. And we're so happy to have you um, both on this show. I mean, you guys took over Imus in the morning. Is that correct? After Imus passed away? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I came back from Florida in 2016 to host a midday show. I miss was still on the air then. Uh, me and Bernie replaced a guy named Gerardo Rivera in the midday show. And then about uh, 2018, about two years later, uh, WABC and I miss, uh, they, 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 they grew apart. That was it. I was making a lot of money. He was not getting great ratings anymore. He was getting older. Uh, they saw an opportunity for two younger guys with some zest that could also Hey, a lot less, let's be honest, in me and Bernie to take over the morning show. And we did. And uh, we've had great success in the four years that we've done that. In fact, even more rating success than I must ever had right now with the number one Nielsen rated news talk show in New York City. That's quite an accomplishment for a station that was not getting ratings just a couple of years ago. So I uh, will always love Don. He passed away uh, two years ago in December. Uh, Bernie worked for Imus for the better part of 30 years. I worked on and off for Imus for the better part of 18 years. Both of us kind of made our bones and our careers with Imus. We'll always appreciate that. But right now, it's our time. Yeah, congratulations. That's right. We all need our time to shine and to create new ideas. So thank you so much. Now, anyone that listens to you knows that you are very outspoken and you speak the truth, let's be honest. And, you know, you have that brutally honest New York 
style about you, but I love that about people. I'm going to be honest. I grew up with two New York parents, one from Brooklyn, one from Manhattan. So I appreciate your honesty. I wanted to have you on to dive further into specific topics. So I'm just going to throw a few at you if that's okay. Um, thank you so much. Uh, Cause your perspective means everything. You have so many listeners. So thank you so much again. Uh, individuals speaking the truth and not being afraid of cancel culture. Why is it so important that we respectfully say what we feel? I'm not even sure I say it respectfully. I think sometimes I'm downright nasty because I just don't care. Uh, look, it's very simple. When I worked for big radio stations like WFAN, they were run by CBS and Intercom. I probably couldn't say the things I say now. There is a huge advantage uh, for working for a man. John Katsimatidis, a multi-billionaire. That's the truth. It's not an exaggeration. That's who he is. He owns oil companies. He owns all the Gristitos and uh, Gristitis and Diagostinos here in New York City, and now he owns this radio station. He's a huge success, a Greek immigrant, and he wants us to go on and say what we want. He doesn't have to worry that Nike is going to come and, and cause a big deal or, or Diet Pepsi or Coca-Cola. Uh, my sponsors I've had for many, many, many years. They spend a lot of money. My show does very, very well revenue-wise, and they're not going to jump off the ship if, in fact, I say something they don't agree with. So I think the, the, the reason why I get to say what I say, and Bernie for that matter, is because we've got a single proprietor owner in John Katsimatidis who likes it when we voice our opinion. And if it's you know up against the tide, that's fine. Don't forget, Melissa, there's 12 million people in New York. So if 8 million are Democrats, there are still 4 million people that are Republicans and appreciate Donald Trump and don't like what's going on in this city in this state and this country. And if we can get every one of those 4 million people will be no less than Howard Stern in the radio history department. It's very, very true. Now, do you think that this Johnny Depp uh, case had an impact on cancel culture? And as he said, he felt guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, I don't. I mean, look, I know it was kind of a win for all men that have been falsely accused. I mean, even Alan Dershowitz, who is a constitutional scholar, this guy's a brilliant attorney, been involved in some of the biggest cases ever. He was watching this closely because, don't forget, he was accused in the Jeffrey Epstein case of having sex with a minor. And uh, so he was actually happy that Johnny Depp won because, as he said, this is a win for men who are falsely excused. But, but listen, accused, I should say, but don't kid yourself. The truth of the matter is most of us still believe, as we should, the overwhelming majority of women who claim these things happen. That doesn't change here. It's a nice little payday for Johnny Depp. It's a nice day for men for one day. But I don't think the whole culture changes with that. What I think you're saying uh, above and beyond Johnny Depp is the country starting to get sick and tired of what's going on here. You know, listen, yeah. I have friends who are gay. You know, Bernie and I have uh, people on the show that are gay. Uh, fantastic. God bless them. I don't care whether you're a heterosexual or homosexual, but the idea of having a full month to celebrate pride is really insulting. I mean, what, what for what? Because your sexual preference that makes you a hero. And I understand they've gone through a lot of hell and still do, especially transgenders. I get all that. Jews have gone through hell. Blacks have gone through hell. Christians have gone through hell. The idea that we continue to celebrate people based upon their sexual preference or their gender or their color, that's the problem with this country. We gotta stop doing that. It's a merit-based, you know, if you do something great, we'll celebrate you. If not, you're like everybody else. And I think the Johnny Depp case will go down just like that. Yeah, totally. And uh, let's th thank you so much for, for a man's perspective on that. Um, 
let's discuss our school systems. Here in New York, they started entertaining or even doing now bringing books in called I Am Not a Girl, which is a little girl looking in a mirror at herself as a boy. These The ages for this book is three to six. Now, what's your thoughts on this, please? Well, I think it's disgusting. I think it's it's abuse. I think it's child abuse, you know? And uh, Ron DeSantis has the right idea down in Florida. He's got the parental act. Now, what did the Democrats do in the media? They labeled that the don't say gay bill. There's nothing in that bill down in Florida from Ron DeSantis that even mentions the word gay, nothing. His point is, I don't want a teacher teaching my child about sex. And he's right, I don't either. That onus is on the mom and the dad. If the mom and the dad don't do it, well, then that's the way it's going to be. I don't want some strange kid with blue hair and, and an earring telling my kids about homosexual and or heterosexual sex. It's disgusting. Uh, Ron DeSantis is right here in New York and in New Jersey, where they allow that type of stuff and make an argument for it. It's just not right. To me, it's child abuse. So congratulations to the governor of Florida. Shame on everybody else. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, this is coming from a father. You have a 17-year-old and a 13-year-old. So imagine parents who are have five-year-olds and they're coming home with this book. They're Listen, like sponges. I, uh, Melissa, I don't even want them talking to my 18-year-old daughter. She's on her way to college about sex and teachers. So, and I couldn't imagine when they were little babies, Abe and Gabriel being taught that. It's it's just not right, you know? And for example, we had Tom Swazi on the show a couple of weeks ago. He's running for governor. He's a Democrat. He's up against Kathy Hochul and uh and jamani williams and he came out with me and bernard he said i gotta tell you uh, i don't disagree with ron DeSantis's bill it, it is actually it's right you know teachers should not be teaching kids about sex and about three days later uh, i guess one of his big donors some big democrat went after him and there was an article in a local newspaper that tom swazi really had the balls to agree with bernie and sid and he took it back he said you know what i was inartful in my statement to sid and bernie maybe i didn't really mean that so I called up on a cell phone. I said, let me tell you something, you son of a bitch. What you did was right. What you did was right. But now you've proven to be a coward like every other Democrat politician. And now by reversing your decision, you've proven to be uh, no different than Joe Biden, who at one point wanted closed borders. Now he wants open borders. At one point wanted to stop crime. Now he doesn't care. You're one of those people now. So congratulations. By the way, he's never allowed back on the Bernie and Sid in the morning show. What about the mayor? I mean, crime is even up and it's happening during daylight. Like nobody has to, they don't care anymore. Yeah, I mean, the subways, are, you know, the subways are a huge issue, Melissa. He wants people to come back to New York and go to work. I mean, we had a guy just last Sunday who was going to brunch and he was shot in the face and murdered, shot in the chest, I should say. Uh, listen, it's not just shootings. There are people being thrown in front of moving subways. There are knife attacks. There are rapes. People throwing pieces in the faces of people in the subway. And it's just one excuse after the other. I mean, look, th these are the facts, okay? Until we have an adult conversation as to one why community, one community, I should say, who's 13% of the population, commits 58% of the crimes, until we have that conversation and figure out why it's really the case and stop blaming white people and white supremacy and politicians and all that nonsense, until they start taking accountability in their own community, this is never going to change. Eric Adams knows that. Charles Barkley has made those comments. Plenty of African-American people know the truth, which is, hey, there's no dad at home. There's uh, no aspirations. We're very, very happy getting money from the government, smoking weed and watching cartoons. And why should we change? And unfortunately, that is a lot of the culture, along with the music and, uh, and, and the violence and the way it dress. It, it's all bad. And it lends to this culture that lends to crime 
in New York City. And until we have that conversation, we're going to lie to the people, talk about white supremacy. Look, that kid in Buffalo, it was disgusting. The kid in Uvalde, Texas, he wasn't even white. He was Latino. And for all the mass shootings, which, by the way, now three people get killed in some mass shootings, 30 people get killed every weekend in Chicago. And it's black people shooting black people. Let's have that discussion. Or Philadelphia, black people shooting black people. They want to spend six days talking about one guy who killed a bunch of kids. It was horrible. I've got kids. I cried for days. But that's not the real issue in this country. There is no white supremacy issue in this country. There's an issue with crime and allowing criminals who commit crimes to go back on the street in 15 minutes. What's your one recommendation for New York City right now just to calm things down a little bit? Well, you got to get more cops out on there. That's the yeah. first thing. You cannot limit the cops and how they do their jobs. No chokeholds, no this, no that. I don't want to hear it. They, they got to do whatever it takes physically to make sure that they get these probes and take them down to the ground. But the most important thing is bail reform. I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's not Eric Adams' job. I get it. That goes back to legislators in Albany, people like Andrew Stewart, Cousins, Carl Heasty, Kathy Hochul. Until they figure out a way where they come to the realization that, oh, my God, criminals should not be allowed to go back on the street after 15 minutes, nothing's going to get better. You can add more cops. You can make more arrests. Could you imagine how tough it is for these cops, how disheartened they must be when they go out and arrest somebody who's got 19 priors and the cops see the same guy at the same subway stop the next morning? These cops don't even want to do their job. I don't blame them. They can't do anything right. Everybody hates them. Everybody, you know, demeans them. Everybody talks badly about them. And at the end of the day, when they do make a good arrest, that purpose back on the street in 15 minutes. So until bail reform is fixed, until these, these Democrat officials come to the realization that keeping criminals in jail is a good thing, nothing's going to change. Yeah. Let's discuss what's happening worldwide. Gas prices. You think New York's going to go up like some cities in L.A.? It's up to almost $10. I don't think it'll be as bad as Los Angeles, but it's bad. And you've got Joe yeah. Biden yucking up with Jimmy Kimmel last night. I mean, come on. The country is 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 a complete mess. It really is. So let's not uh, – listen, I've got a nice life. I'm going to watch the Rangers tonight. I'm going to go to the beach today. I've got a beautiful family. I just bought a new home. I've got a nice life. I can't complain all that much. But the truth is, a lot of this country is really struggling. They can't afford to put gas in their car. They can't afford to put food on their table. Meats and uh, produce now going through the, the, the roof, the ceiling. And it's Biden's fault. And he stands there and, and he talks about Donald Trump did this. Trump's been gone for two years, by the way. And Putin did this. That war in Ukraine has nothing to do with what's going on here. And COVID did this. That's been gone, COVID, for two years. At some point, Joe Biden and his administration, the worst, by the way, in my lifetime, by far, worse than Jimmy Carter, has to be accountable. He did this. What did he do? Why did he do this, Whoopi Goldberg? Tell you what he did. He shut down the Keystone Pipeline for starters. That right there made us energy efficient. Besides the millions and millions of, of dollars in jobs, the tons of jobs that are provided to Americans, that was part of the reason why we were so energy efficient under Donald Trump. We didn't need to buy tons and tons of oil from Russia or, or, or God knows what countries now, Iran, who knows? So he did that. He decided whatever Donald Trump did, I'm going to do the opposite, even if it worked, even if it worked, because he was just, he's a nasty, nasty baby. So he's reversed all the things Donald Trump did, which were great, and now we've got ourselves in a big mess. Gas prices go right back to this administration. It's not Trump. It's not that war in Ukraine. It's not COVID. It's this administration's decision to shut down pipelines in this country, which makes us energy efficient and saves us tons of money on oil and gas.
Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. So thank you so much for all of this. I know you've been talking for four hours this morning and please, I, I urge you to please listen to this man on Bernie and Sid in the morning, weekdays from six to 10. Let's get over to you. You are an author and, and an actor, and we're going to get into that in a moment, but you have two books, which I love so much. One title is You're Wrong and You're Ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me of my brother-in-law. He used to say, you're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. You ever hear that yep. saying, growing? <laughs> so thank you for that. That's really nice. And then you have a new book too, uh, Citizens United, which actually you can get right now. You can pre-order it. Yes, you can. You can go to Amazon right now. Thank you for that, Melissa. My thank other you. book, 12 years old, I wrote it back in 2010. Uh, Triumph was the publisher, the biggest sports publisher in the country out of Chicago. But to be honest, when I wrote the book, I was out of work at that time in between another Miami radio station. I was still not back in New York, so it never really got the attention it may have gotten if I was back here. I sold some books, but certainly didn't uh, didn't have lines outside of Barnes & Noble in, on Fifth Avenue. This is a completely different story. This is a Post Hill Press slash Simon & Schuster book. I've got some real big-time book people, Anthony Zaccardi, Ian Kleinert on the job, uh, most recently, Miranda Devine, the great New York Post columnist, her book came out. It's a number one bestseller about Hunter Biden. She's with the same publisher. Uh, Adam Carolla's book is coming out next month. He's with the same publisher, Bobby Valentine. So they get some really big guys here. And now they've got my book. And it, it's, a, it's a fun book in that a lot goes back to the relationship I have with my dad. Today, ironically, as we mentioned before we came on the air, Melissa, is my father's birthday, yeah. June 9th. Yeah. I was very close to my father. Up. And he died two years ago, and, and I'm not over it. I'm not doing well. It's when a tough guy like me becomes, uh, you know, like a little kid. I, I miss my father a lot, and I'm having all this great success, more than I've ever had in my life, and he's not here to share it with me. Uh, but there's a lot of great stories in the book about me and my dad and, and how that transformed me into the father that I am with my daughter, Ava, and my son, Gabriel. Uh, there's yeah. personal stories uh, about my mother, too, and my wife. And then there's all the opinion stuff, my opinion about Donald Trump if we won again in 2024 and how we did it first time around and Joe Biden and Eric Adams and Bill de Blasio and even opinions on uh, Bravo TV, the Real Housewives, I'm a Real Housewives junkie and uh, sports as well, like Tom Brady. So it's a fun read. I think people will like it. You can order it right now at Amazon.com. It'll be in bookstores August the 6th, at least preliminarily. We're looking at uh, three different states to do book signings and tours, including New York, New Jersey, and Florida. So I'm very excited about the book. Thank you for bringing it up. That's so nice. And, you know, we always discuss on this program, as I told you, I lost both of my parents. So I have spiritual people come on and I believe that, you know, death is just a walk in the other room. And it's so hard when they're not here and just, you know, your success. He sees all this. You know, do you have a relationship with him still spiritually? Do you talk to him? I do. You know, I live by the beach now and I'll go to the beach and I'll say, hey, Pop, I did this today. Uh, I did sing happy birthday to him, to be honest. I, I felt uh, a little silly. Somebody saw me do it. There's nobody standing next to me. But um, but I do do stuff like that. I'm not an overly spiritual guy. I have to be honest. Nor am I overly religious, uh, Jewish, yeah. and Hip-hop mitzvah, and you know, we've got some Yiddish kite in my house, but I'm, I'm not the type of guy to wrap to fill in every day or go to shul for Shabbos. It's just not me. My dad was like that. Uh, but I am, I am a spiritual guy to a certain extent, not as much as you, Melissa. I'm kind of jealous about that. Um, but yes, I do talk to my dad every once in a while, and I did sing him happy birthday today. 
Yeah, well, he heard it. I can definitely tell you that. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm glad that you're by the ocean now because yeah. now you can, Mother, I love talking to Mother Ocean and I actually offer her some fruit. That's what I do. And in return, she gives me so much. So, um, you know, I tell you about the ocean when I was, uh, I went down to uh, Florida for rehab back in uh, 2005. And they tell you that you need to find a, um, a higher power, you know, and I, um, I had a lot of trouble with uh, drinking and drugs and a whole bunch of stuff for many, many years. Thank God I'm sober and clean now, so my kids are seeing the best of me. But I had a lot of very, very rough years. And um, I was had an issue with God, you know. My daughter does the same thing now. She's so cute. But uh, I did it too. I'm like, there's no God. If there's a God, why would he allow planes to hit the World Trade Center? Why are little kids dying all over the world? And as I've gotten older and I've seen some things, including my father, oh, there is certainly a God. Um, they used to say to me, hey, listen, if you can't accept God, let God stand for group of drunks. That was the acronym. And that could be your God. So in the end, my, my higher power became the ocean. Uh, at the time I went to rehab in Florida, I was living in Boca Raton, and I would walk to the ocean and I would sit there and I'd look out at this vast body of water. And I'd say, man, all my problems that seem insurmountable, it seems to be so much. Look how small it is compared to that vast ocean, that vast world out there we can't even see and believe it or not i know it sounds silly but that got me through the day so to be yeah. not this stage of my life 55 years old and uh getting back to the ocean it does provide that spiritual uh service that i need uh, almost daily to get through the day absolutely and especially going through recovery um what advice do you give to people uh who are still struggling you know look i have I have fallen off so many times. I am not by any means the, the right guy to give that type of advice. But I will mm -hmm. say that because uh, I went to many meetings, AA, NA, you name it, GA, gambling problem too. Uh, I had sponsors. I did the, the book. I did the steps. I did everything. And none of it mattered. I remember uh, speaking at an AA meeting in Boca, uh, uh, claiming I had six months and I had done cocaine three days before. And a, and a lot of folks that I know were doing the same thing. So uh, I think you just need to get to the point in your life. And, and I'm not knocking any of that stuff. Please don't get me wrong. You want 10 sponsors. You want to go to 30 meetings. God bless you. But my opinion is none of it matters until you've really decided to give it up. And uh, I don't go to meetings all the time. I don't have a sponsor. And I can promise you that I'm not going to do a lot of cocaine or, or drink because I'm just at that point in my life where I can't do it anymore. I can't embarrass my wife, my children. Uh, and I was able to do that, thank God. Uh, myself. Uh, again, I don't recommend it for everybody, but until you come to the realization that this is no way to live and it's eventually going to do three things to you, drive you insane, put you in prison or kill you, you will continue to do whatever you do, even with, I believe, some help. So just if you're having issues right now, game over. It doesn't get better. It gets worse every time. Trust me. I started drinking wine and said it tequila. I did everything I could, everything I could. I made $5 bets instead of $1,000 bets. I did everything I could to keep all my vices alive. And they got worse every time. You gotta stop, that's the game. I like that you, uh, uh, we're gonna keep reiterating this, but going to the ocean is your meditation and that can be your savior. And I always believe that we need a connection with something, whether it's God or Allah or this or that, we need a connection. And I remember when my mother was dying in my arms, I God got me through that. So I got a tattoo, if God brings you, I showed you that if God brings you to it, he'll see you through it. Oh, and you know, it's funny. 
but I saw you Saturday. I saw the tattoo, and I, it's a long tattoo. I couldn't read all of it. I had no idea what it said. So yeah, because it helped me through losing my mom. You know, I'm 42 years old, and I have no parents. But what I have is God. He's my connection. I have my animals. You have the ocean. You have your beautiful wife and your children. So I'm going to continue on praying for you. And you got this, man. I know you do. And if people fall, they get right back up as long as you get back up. That's what I believe. Well, I mean, as long as God gives you the opportunity, you know, I, I, I to get I, yes. Yeah, because I, I remember the first time I went to rehab back in 1995, and I went to a place in Reading, Pennsylvania, Chit Chat Farms, the Karen Foundation. And when you leave, they give you a book, and people sign the book like you're leaving high school, like you just graduated, you know. And I can't tell you how many people who signed my book. I love you, Sid. Best of luck to you. Thank you. Now this is 27 years later, but a lot of those people are dead. Then you get a second chance. So. Uh, eventually you run out of chances. Again, whether you go to prison or you die, you do run out of chances. So if you think, hey, I'm still young, I have the opportunity to, I'm telling you just, especially today, the drugs today, you got fentanyl and just about everything, whether it's marijuana, cocaine, heroin, you know, me, I never worried about that type of stuff. I worried about ODing, but I didn't worry if I did one line of cocaine, I was going to die. Today you're gonna die. I don't care if you're in great shape, you could be the best football player on the team. Uh, look at the guys at West Point, Army, six of them, all OD'd from one line of cocaine, yeah on a senior on the uh when they went down to florida so um that's at stake too not only are you ruining yourself your reputation your family but today because of the fentanyl you won the risk one time you can die no thanks yeah well god bless you this is your time and uh speaking of school i saw that you went to kingsborough i'm a kingsborough uh graduate <laughs> which oh, wow. i love yeah i love kingsborough i went back when i was 28 years going back to community college a lot of students and uh parents frown upon community college i you love should. it what's, yeah, what's your thoughts what's your thoughts oh, no, on no, I, I gotta tell you for me kingsborough saved my life because i um i was uh going to miami that was the first school i got into University of Miami down in Coral Gables. He had just won the national championship. Bernie Kosar, who's a friend of mine to this day, was the quarterback and it was the place to be, you know. And uh, I lasted three months. I partied every day, never went to class and came home broken. And uh, all the dreams of going to medical school, all that was gone. And then I went to Brooklyn College and nothing improved. And it wasn't until my mom got me to Kingsborough Community College uh, they had something called the No Start, the, uh, the New Start program back then, New Start. They actually erased all my failures from Miami and Brooklyn College and gave me a brand new start. I took it seriously, even though it's on the bay and by the ocean. I met my wife, Danielle, there. And um, I took it seriously, got my associate's degree, and eventually graduated from Baruch College a few years later. So I did four schools over seven years, not because I love the college experience, but because I was just a, 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 you know, a party, I was a rough kid. Uh, but Kingsborough gave me the opportunity to eventually graduate college and community college could be a great, listen, community college, I got news for you. There are kids who never go to college at all. You know, I was going to be at Apex at all these training schools. Those are great schools too. Some kids are not cut out to go to school, but they've got great hands. You can be a mechanic. You can install boilers, go to trade school. Why not? Not everybody needs to go to college, pile up debt and end up taking Polish African-American studies and making $32,000 a year. So whether it's a community college to kind of get you back going like it did for me or a trade school, I think they all work. There's nothing embarrassing about going to school, any place, anytime, anywhere. Thank you so much. Let's talk about your acting career. You were telling me about a couple of films you have coming up. You're going to be in the series of Gravesend. So tell us about that. Yeah, this is new. This just started when I was 54 years old. I don't know. They must. I don't know. I'm not Bradley Cooper by any stretch or Brad Pitt, but um, <laughs> 
listen, I understand that I do give these folks the ability to cross promote their shows and movies. I get it. I've got the number one radio show. So these guys get a chance to come on and, and that's invaluable. It's, you know, you can't pay for that type of advertising. So I do provide that, but for whatever it's worth, they, they seem to like me and I don't have big roles just yet, but I've got nice roles. I play a guy named Dave Busco in Gravesend, which is a mafia soldier. Uh, I worked, uh, I'm out of the Miami crew. Me and Andrew Dice Clay did a bunch of scenes together. In real life, he got Bell's palsy, so he's off the script now. Uh, oh, I'm no. still working on Miami crew, but now I'm working up against Chaz Palminteri. He's become my nemesis. He's on Long Island. So that's a great role. I shoot again June 23rd. I went out to Los Angeles, and uh, Danny A., who's a big time writer, actor, director, he made the movie, the real life movie about the Bar Gemini Lounge which back in the 70s in Brooklyn was run by the Gambinos, Roy DeMeo, and they actually chopped up mafia bodies on the second floor. It's a hugely famous story here in New York, and I shot that movie in Los Angeles. had a pretty nice size role uh, back in April, and I've got two more movies. One is a British crime drama, which if the movie does well, they're going to turn it into a weekly television show, and one is a movie called Tank Job, about the near 1963 stock market crash in Bayonne, New Jersey. And I've got two pretty good sized roles in that too. So not a star yet, not a leading man, nothing major, but at 54 years old over a six month period to get a big time TV series and three movie roles, I think it's pretty good. Thank you so much. God bless you. What's the last thing you'd like to say to uh, your fellow citizens of New York City? Well, uh, for my citizens of New York City, my unfortunately, I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. It may get worse before it gets better. Look, I still go to the city every day. I work on 49th Street and 3rd Avenue in Midtown, so I haven't escaped the city. I don't live there anymore. I live here in Queens in a beautiful area, but I still go to Manhattan every single day. I still love the city. I still eat in the city, lunch and dinner. But my fear is that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And I understand why people are leaving. You know, you go down to Florida, there's no state tax. The weather is great. Uh, it's not filthy and dirty. You can take, I think people still are very quick to say, we're the greatest city, we're New York. And, and, I, and I hate to say this, it breaks my heart, but we're not. We're not the greatest city. We've got uh, way too many issues. We have the potential to be the greatest city. We should be the greatest city. We were the greatest city for a long time, but I don't think right now we're the greatest city. So uh, until we get back to that, I understand why people are leaving. And Eric Adams and the new governor, hopefully it's not Kathy Hochul, hopefully it's mm -hmm. Andrew Giuliani or Lee Zeldin or Rob Astorino or Harry Wilson, whoever it is on the Republican side, hopefully they can uh, fix the crime problem, fix the homeless problem, fix the dirt problem and filth and make that city great again. But right now, it ain't great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sid. You're amazing. Please listen to him, Bernie and Sid in the morning, 77 WABC. Is that AM radio? That is. I mean, believe it or not, you know, with, <laughs> with days where every big show is on AM and FM and Sirius XM, Satellite and all that, we're a little rinky-dinky AM radio show that is kicking ass all over New York City. So for yeah. folks that say AM radio is finished, the demise of AM radio, I would advise them, take a look at Bernie and Sid. Thank you so much. You got it. This episode is sponsored by Preferred Health Magazine. Hi, I'm Angelina Cappiello, publisher and editor-in-chief of Preferred Health Magazine. PHM hosts interviews with today's top physicians, experts in the healthcare industry, and some of today's most beloved celebrities. So head on over to www.preferredhealthmagazine.com today to receive your free digital subscription. And be sure to catch me on our new podcast, Talking Points with Preferred Health Magazine, streaming now on Spotify and YouTube.
Thank you for tuning in to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Melissa Billy-Clark. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please visit our website at melissabillyclarkshow.com. If you'd like to sponsor or be a guest, email melissa at melissaclarkshow.com. Let's make a difference together.